Welcome to the New England Baseball Journal podcast presented by Firecracker Sports. I'm your host, Dan Guttenplan. Today's guest is a coach in the midst of a career transition. Justin Blood recently accepted the position as head coach at Keene State after filling a similar role at University of Hartford for 10 years. The Franklin Pierce alumnus will return to his home state of New Hampshire to start a new chapter. We'll find out how much Hartford's pending move from D1 to D3 factored in Justin's decision to make a jump to a D2 program. We'll also find out what it was like to coach under Jim Penders at UConn for six seasons when players like George Springer and Matt Barnes came through the program. Before we get to the interview with Coach Blood, let's talk about some of the content we have available on the New England Baseball Journal platform. Some of the top incoming high school and prep seniors in New England are just returning from the East Coast Pro Showcase and Area Code Games. We have scouting reports on all of the New England players selected for each of those high-profile showcase events. You can find out how the Northeast Regional teams perform by going to BaseballJournal.com. The summer edition of New England Baseball Journal is also available to our subscribers. If you're interested in receiving a copy of this magazine, which recognizes every state champion in all six New England states, click on the subscribe tab at BaseballJournal.com. Without further ado, here's the interview with Keene State coach Justin Blood. We're back with new Keene State head coach Justin Blood, who's in the midst of moving his family from Hartford to New Hampshire. Uh, coach, how crazy has this summer been for you? It's been uh, it's been different um, and hectic, but it's all it's all good. We're excited about the. Uh, the amount of work that we're we're doing and and ready to be back at home uh, and get to work at Keene State. So busy, but but a good busy. Yeah, it's funny. I, I got a text from you this morning. I, I hope you're OK with me sharing this, but I probably interviewed <laughs> a, uh, a handful of coaches on the podcast. I always get the same text in the morning from coaches <laughs> asking if they need to shave because it's going to be on video. Um, did, did you end up shaving or no? No, I, I, anybody that knows me and, and all the coaches that may, may listen to this will laugh, but I, I, there's a little bit, there's just enough French in my family heritage where I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a hairy dude. I guess I'll admit that. That's a weird <laughs> thing to say on this podcast, but I, I got I, I get the five o'clock shadow pretty quick. I love that five o'clock shadow. <laughs> Doesn't I know, look that I'm bad Brad on Pitt. you. I'm, I'm, I'm trying, to, uh, trying to work with Brad Pitt for years. There you go. Uh, now you said, uh, we were talking before this and you were talking about kind of all the, the life in flux here. You've got uh, work being done on your house cause you're trying to make the move, um, up to New Hampshire from Hartford. And you hear coaches a lot when they're making transitions like this, say, this is the life they've chosen with moves and job transitions, hiring, firings, all that different stuff. Um, and so I kind of want to go back in time with you and just talk about how the, how this did end up becoming the life you chose did you grow up in an environment where baseball was a big part of your life? Was your dad a coach? Um, it was this kind of, has it always been this way for you? So my, I, my dad actually wasn't a, a big athlete. Um, and so I played catch with my mom probably more times than I played catch with my dad. Um, and so I never was, was really pushed by him. Uh, but he encouraged me to, to do what I love to do. And, and I, I grasped onto all sports. I, I think maybe more than sports, I've just always loved to compete. You know, I'll grab a chessboard and, you know, whatever it is, I, I like to compete. So, um, but baseball ended up being what I thought 
I, I could be pretty good at and maybe play in college. And um, so it, it, it grabbed hold of me probably when I was in high school and started a pitch was when I realized, okay, maybe I can do this for a little while. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was kind of just something that, that happened naturally, I guess. That that's a great um, kind of philosophy that your dad took. I have kids now and that's what you want to do is kind of encourage them to do what they want, whether it's, you know, music or art or sports or anything like that without putting pressure on them. So that's great that he kind of empowered you to do what you really love to do. Uh, and I know you said, you know, once you started to get a sense that, you, you know, you might be able to take your playing career, how did you end up, um, how did you end up at Franklin Pierce? It's an interesting story. I, uh, uh and coach Chadbourne, I think was his name. He was the basketball coach, um, at Franklin Pierce, but he also coached baseball. So I was in my senior year of high school and I hadn't made a decision yet, uh, on where to go. Uh, and he saw that I had thrown a couple of no hitters in the, in the Keene Sentinel. And so he reached out and said, Hey, it looks like you're a pretty good pitcher and you're, you're left-handed. And, and I think he came out and saw me and, um, brought me in on a visit and said that they were in the process of bringing in a new coach and a full-time baseball coach. Um, he didn't name names, but that coach, uh, ended up being Jason King. Uh, so I've trusted my gut more times than not in my life. And for whatever reason, I, I felt like, okay, Franklin Pierce, this is an opportunity and never met the guy who was going to be the coach. Um, but uh, took that leap of faith and, and then got a chance to play for coach, coach King. So um, it was a different path, you know, and I think we say this all the time to kids is like, you, if you think that you're, you know, going to lay the framework for this perfect path of recruitment to lay out and play out for you, it, it doesn't happen that way very often. You know, there's a small segment of, of kids that, that get everything to fall in place like that. And my story is, you know, no different than, than many others who just it happened to work out at the right time at the right place. You mentioned you had thrown some no hitters. Did were you getting recruited in other places or was uh, Franklin Pierce your only opportunity? So another interesting side story, the only other or the only division one school that I got a letter from was the University of Hartford. <laughs> so, so, you know, I, I end up going there uh, down the road and being a kid from a small town in New Hampshire, Hartford. Yeah, I can remember my parents. Oh, Hartford, that's uh, you know, that's a city and it's uh, the traffic's crazy there. So I, I never even visited. Um, and uh, so I, St. Joe's, Wheaton, uh, a couple of D3s, um, maybe forgetting a D2, but uh, I, I definitely wasn't uh, a hot commodity coming out of high school. And what about coming out of college? I know like the, the last couple of drafts have been condensed drafts. Last year was five rounds. This year was 20 rounds. So you don't always hear of a lot of D2 or D3 guys uh, getting drafted. What was the draft experience for like for you coming out of a D2 school? So I got, I got beat up my freshman year and then coach King uh, told me the fall of my sophomore year that, Hey, you're, you're going to just pitch and work on pitching. And um, reluctantly I, I did that and it ended up being the, the best decision for me. And I was, uh, I had a successful sophomore year, ended up going to the Cape league tryout, um, didn't have a summer home and uh, got signed, uh, got signed out of the Cape League tryout. Those are the good old days, <laughs> uh, you know, where a couple hundred kids would show up for the Cape League tryout. And, um, and so, yeah, I got a contract with uh, Orleans and, you know, pitched enough during that summer and did, did pretty well, held my own. 
um, and uh, I think caught the attention of some scouts and and uh, and had a to be honest had a step back my my junior year at Pierce um, tried to throw 95 all the time and didn't throw as many strikes and tried to strike everybody out so uh, didn't have as as good a season but I think my stuff was was in a good place and the scouts saw just enough to to take me that that coming spring so again a little different path but uh it worked out and I owe a lot to coach King and my teammates for that one that's great now I I, it happens a lot of times around you know I'll look at a guy in New England that you know maybe was not highly recruited coming out of high school and then he'll have a big college career and I always think to myself you know this guy's going to be successful anywhere he goes he's just uh going to have success. And now you went on and you had a lot of success early in your professional career. Did it seem to you that you were just one of those guys who was going to work your way all the way up to the system, through the system to the big leagues? Um, you know, I think every step of the way, like I said, you know, I didn't start pitching until midway through my high school career. Then my, my career at Franklin Pierce, I, I didn't have immediate success. Uh, and then in pro ball, I didn't have immediate success there. I had to work through some things. They ended up dropping my arm angle, changing my slot. Um, but I think one of my positive attributes was that I, I worked, you know, I, I wanted to work at it. I wanted to be good and, and I like to compete. So typically if you have any athletic ability, um, and sometimes you don't need all that much athletic ability, but if you, if you work and you can compete, you'll, you'll see results and, so, yeah, I, I thought that when I was in pro ball that I, I could have played for a while um, and that I was, you know, had just as good a chance as any of the other guys I was playing with to, to maybe get to the big leagues. You hear about the minor league experience from guys and how, you know, they're on buses overnight and just it's it doesn't seem like a glamorous lifestyle. Uh, what, what are your some of your memories from uh, playing professionally? Driving from San Bernardino, California to Stockton on a bus uh, in the probably August in California and our air conditioning broke on the bus. <laughs> so, you know, you're in there with 25, 30 people and yeah, minor league baseball, you, you have to, you got to be a special breed uh, to be successful in, in that lifestyle. And, you know, ultimately it wasn't the lifestyle for me. Um, I really missed the college game. Uh, my last year in pro ball, we we won the Cal League championship. I, I was utilized a lot out of the bullpen. I had a good year, and I, I still I still didn't really enjoy my time. <laughs> so um, it was uh, it led to to my decision to to go back to school and finish up and, and try to get into coaching. But uh, minor league, I look at as like my grad, you know, my grad program. Uh, I definitely learned a lot, uh, was around some, some very good people, some very good coaches. Um, but ultimately wasn't just wasn't for me. So you mentioned, uh, you had to go back to school once you arrived at the decision to retire, uh, from your playing career, what were the steps that you had to take to become, uh, you know, I imagine that you wanted to become a coach and just kind of had to take some steps to get there. Yeah. The first call was to coach King, uh, of course, uh, go back. I, I really, I could have taken classes elsewhere and graduated from, you know, earned my degree from somewhere else, but it was important for me to, to, you know, I felt like I owed it to Franklin Pierce to, to get that degree. Um, and so, and it also opened up a door for me to go and work with coach uh, and be a student assistant. So uh, he was the first call and uh, one to tiptoe around 
telling him that I was walking away from professional baseball. I wasn't sure how, how he was going to feel about that, but he was, as he always is really supportive and, and helpful. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what got the door open for, for coaching and my first opportunity. And then he helped me uh, get my first opportunity that summer in the Cape uh, to work with Scott Pickler uh, for YD. Yeah. And then you went to, you spent some time at Quinnipiac, I think as well. Um, and then eventually ended up at UConn, which is really where kind of things took off for you. How did you, um, how did you end up on coach Pender's staff? And uh, was your, I know you were eventually the pitching coach. What was your role initially? So I've been blessed with some luck. I heard Bobby Valentine uh, speak one time and he, you know, he said, mentioned that everyone talks about how special he is and great he is. And, you know, he always just seems to find himself in the right place at the right time and have some luck. Uh, and, and I definitely have had the benefit of that in my career and my life as well. And so being with YD that summer, Chris Pedeswa, who's still an assistant at UConn, um, was on that staff. And about halfway through the summer, he, he said, Justin, this, this spot opened up, uh, you need to apply. And, you know, at first I was like, I've, I've never had a full-time coaching gig before. Um, you know, I just, be, I was a student assistant this spring. And so he urged me and I got a chance to do the interview. And I had a really good work uh, or working uh, interview with coach Penders. And, um, and he was, you know, I was thankful enough to get the opportunity to work with him. So I came in as the pitching coach and the recruiting coordinator that fall of 2005. So I, I had that. He bestowed that on me right away uh, and gave me an opportunity to do both roles. And, um, you know, that was a, a huge break for me in my career, for sure. That's incredible. Yeah. And you landed some, you know, some prospects who are now starring in the major and major league baseball with, you know, Springer and Barnes, uh, Matt Barnes is a closer for the Red Sox. Um, that must have been a pretty special time. Were you aware as you were landing these guys, getting commitments from these guys that, Wow, this could this could be a special time for for UConn. I, I think as we started to get into it a little bit, you know, they they had uh, Mike Olt um, was committed uh, when I first came in, so they he was the first you know big name in that in my time period there, and um, Pierre LePage, and you know there were some guys that were before these guys that that those were big time prospects and, and guys that were played huge roles in, in taking the program to the levels it's gotten to now. Um, but yeah, when, when Barnes and Springer, you know, the spring of their senior years of, of high school, uh, that was when we were like, Ooh, okay, these guys, <laughs> these guys have taken a jump. Uh, I think George put on some size and strength and Matt, you know, his velo went from like 86, 88 to, to 92, 93, um, you know, and, and then you blended those guys with the Nick Ahmeds, uh, and John Andriolis and, you know, Kevin Vance's and Elliot Glenn's down the road. It, it was, again, sometimes you got to get lucky. So I think we, we, you know, we evaluated guys that we saw talent and, and liked their makeup. Um, but we also, I think got some luck with, you know, just finding like the perfect blend of personalities. Cause at the end of the day, the ability on the field is really important, but when you can blend some really good personalities together, that's when you have special teams. And I thought, I thought that that's what those teams had was that they had a, a, when you walked on the field and played us, you, you could see our personality oozing from the dugout. Um, and it, and it was on the field too, uh, with some really talented guys. So 
it was, that was, that was a good, a good run for sure. You mentioned having some trepidation, you know, when that UConn situation came up because you, you didn't have that experience as a recruiting coordinator, you know, pitching coach at that level. Uh, did you find it, you know, so you're landing these big time players and, and then you have to, you know, develop them within your program. Did you find it a more natural fit for you to do, do the recor- the recruiting piece of it? Or was it uh, the pitching coach that you felt more comfortable with? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, I, I liked both, you know, again, it was pitching, pitching for me that that's a, an enjoyable part of coaching is like getting, you know, under the hood, so to speak with pitchers and talking about, you know, how to not just mechanics, but I, I love about talking to guys about how to pitch, you know, what do we need to do to this hitter? Uh, what pitches do we need to execute? What pitch do you need to add to your repertoire? Um, but the recruiting is, you know, that's a competitive thing too. You know, when you go to a game and, and you see some of the other schools that are there and um, oddly enough, what I remember most about recruiting some of those guys is that there were some pretty high profile schools that were out watching the same tournaments as I was watching the same games that I was um, and not seeing, you know, the same thing necessarily. Um, you know, George, George was an under recruited kid really. Um, at the time we committed him, if my memory serves me correctly, he only had one other offer and that was from Southern Connecticut state. Um, now we landed him fairly early, uh, in a couple of, a couple of months later, he, he kind of had a coming out party at the perfect game event in, uh, in Wareham. But before that, I don't know if many people knew about him and plenty of people saw him. Uh, so you know, there's, again, just competitive stuff like the recruiting thing, being able to see something in someone that maybe other people aren't seeing. You take a lot of pride in that. And then especially when it comes to fruition down the road. Um, but it'd be a 50-50 split. You know, recruiting re- recruiting can be uh, tough at times and, and time painstakingly, uh, you know, process. Um, but then working with some pitchers can be that way too. So it's probably 50-50. And you were a big part of, um, a, you know, success, successful run there at UConn for six seasons uh, before you moved on and became the head coach at Hartford. How did that opportunity come about? And were there uh, reservations about leaving UConn after you were having so much success there? Um, so uh, Pat Miser and Jim Keener from Hartford reached out to me uh, when we were in the regional or maybe just before we got into the regional in 2011. And they said, you know, look, we'd love to just grab coffee with you. Our, our head uh, coaching position opened up here. And, um, you know, we've, some people have told us that we should talk with you. And um, I had two young kids at the time. Um, and I did want to be a head coach. You know, I definitely leaving UConn was, was going to be for anywhere. was going to be a hard decision. It was such a great opportunity and a great place for me. And, Jim and I and Coach Podesva and Steve Malinowski, I mean, we had a really strong relationships. Um, but I wanted to be a head coach. You know, that was another challenge that that I wanted to try to take on. So when this came about, um, you know, I, I've also had a tendency of doing things that maybe other people don't think I should do. <laughs> um, so I can remember a few people asking me why, you know, why leave UConn? You just went to a super regional to take over a program that that was six and 43 last year. Um, and that's not how I thought about it. You know, I just thought about it as, Hey, this is a chance to be a head coach. 
Um, you know, I've been a part of, uh, Franklin Pierce was a part of a rebuilding project there and I knew what it looked like and I knew what it took. Um, so I said, Hey, let's, I wanted, I wanted to do it. It was a challenge I wanted to take on and I thought I was ready for it. So, uh, Jim, uh, gave me his blessing and was supportive uh, again, as, as he always is as well. Um, and we got, got to work at Hartford. Thanks for listening. We'll be back after this message. Firecracker Sports serves all first-time and experienced coaches that are looking for quality showcase tournaments to promote their players and teams. We offer the most independently operated baseball and softball events in the Northeast region with qualified staff and college coaches to help you and your players get maximum promotion. Besides events, you can get all your baseball and softball needs with our player profiles, hotels, and even facility sales now. With Firecracker Sports, you can save time effort, and money by getting all of your event's college resources and customer attention in one place every season. It's interesting talking to Jim uh, because such a big part of what he explains as the success of the UConn program is the culture and, you know, the hook C and guys coming back, giving back to the program and, uh, Staying, keeping the alumni engaged and, you know, all of that type of stuff. And um, obviously, you know, the, all of that stuff's important, but you're going to a program that was 6-43. and 43. It doesn't have that tradition, and you've got to put your own stamp on it. How did you put your own stamp on building the culture at Hartford? So uh, it was it was stealing from Jim and stealing from Coach King. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I, I had – great opportunities to be around two of the very best coaches that this region has, has ever seen. Um, and, you know, coach, they're very different too. coach King, ultra competitive. He's one of the best at just creating a super competitive environment. Um, his players love him. Uh, Cause he's, he's just got a personality that attracts people. Um, coach Penders is he knows how to build a program from the ground up. And, and he is meticulous and, uh, you know, great at holding guys accountable and creating that culture and um, surrounding himself with, with good people and letting them do their thing, letting them work. You know, I thought that was something that, that I really appreciated as a young head coach getting the chance. He just said, hey, go. <laughs> Tell me where you want to go. Tell me who you want to recruit. I'll trust you. Um, and that was great. Um, but um, two very different guys, but two great program leaders. Uh, so I took hopefully the best parts of them and tried to apply it at Hartford. Um, and again, got lucky, you know, when we got there, uh, there were, there was a lot of work to be done, but there were actually a couple of young players, Sean Newcomb, as probably most everyone knows, but you know, Sean was an incoming freshman. We can't take credit for him. The previous staff had recruited him. Um, you know, so you stumble into a little bit of luck too. uh, some young guys to build around. Um, and then the biggest thing for that program was trying to get the alums engaged and get people excited about it again, um, get people in the area to consider it as a destination for, for recruits. Um, and I think after 10 years, I think we, I think we had done a very good job of opening a lot of those doors. Um, so it was a, it was a great 10 years. Yeah. To your credit. I mean, you talked about Sean Newcomb and kind of lucking into that one, but um, he was a football player in high school. He wasn't like, uh, he wasn't getting recruited at, you know, the, you know, by 20 schools, he was kind of a guy that you developed into becoming a guy who's been in the big leagues. Um, 
And you've got your guys, even the last couple of years, you know, Nick Domkowski is now a big league player. So, yeah, like you said, you really turned that program around fast and then, you know, put, made it a legitimate spot people could go and extend their baseball careers into the professional level. Um, as you look back, what what did you accomplish that you set out to accomplish? And was it were there things that you still had uh, kind of on your checklist of things you wanted to cross off? Um, more championships, of course. Um, you know, I, it, it was, there was a lot to be done. As I said, I think the thing I'm most proud of, um, and it's something that I've really felt in the last, you know, I've known, but I felt it. I've had an opportunity now that I'm moving on to feel it, uh, the last couple of weeks is how much people care. Um, you know, I'm not sure there was a lot of care factor uh, about that program. You know, there was a new head coach every three, four years um, and, uh, you know, tough for alums to, to connect back when there's not a coach that, that they can connect with uh, and there wasn't a lot of success. Um, but whether you graduated in 1970 or you graduated in 2016, uh, there were so many people and there are so many people that are, you know, take pride in being Hartford baseball alums. Uh, and that's at the end of the day, you know, that's, that's how a coach is judged, you know, like the, the fan, and that's what coach King and coach Penders have, have, that's, I was able to learn from them. They've, they've done such a good job at all of their, well, for coach King, his stops and, uh, for coach Penders at UConn, just people really care, um, and, uh, and they want to give back, you know, they want to come back, whether it's with their time, with resources, um, winning the championships is, is great. Uh, and we wished we had done more of that. Um, but to, to be able to churn out quality people, uh, good, strong young men that are ready to take on the world. Um, and they, then they had valuable, uh, great experiences and they wanted to come back and, and help the next generation. That's what it's really all about. And you can really tell how much these people care about Hartford baseball, like you said, over the last few weeks, because um, with your departure and, you know, even before that, with the move to D3, there have been all these uh, groups that have come up and petitions and everything on social media is very, um, it's been a, it's kind of been a sad time for Hartford baseball. And I would imagine maybe you caught wind of it. You know, the rest of us got news that this transition to D3 was going to happen in the middle of the spring. When did, when did you first become aware that this was in the works and what was your initial reaction? Yeah, the, the news was uh, leaked. I'm going to forget the dates. Everything's blended together now, but um, you know, we were in the middle of the season and, and the news leaked that, that there was you know, a possibility that the board was going to vote. Um, and, you know, look, the, the, my memories of this last you know, five, six months, again, it goes back to the student athletes, you know, these kids, they came off of the COVID year, you know, and all the struggles and, and the fall that we had this past year uh, was, was nowhere near a normal fall. And, um, you know, then we finally get our season going uh, and we're off to a good start. And then this news breaks, um, you know, so you know, all the head coaches, not just me, but head coaches across the country, doesn't matter what the sport is. I think we're all sick and tired of delivering bad news to kids because I feel like that's all we've been able to do in the last year and a half or two years. So, you know, to find myself in another situation where I had to explain some more bad news um, and uh, and then try to get them to rally and play uh, and compete still was, you know, was challenging. But 
I thought the guys did a, a good job uh, as best they could of handling that. Um, then obviously when the vote came down uh, to make the move, that, that was another blow. Um, but yeah, I, I, again, like it, it affirmed the, the love that people have for the program, because like you said, you know, there have been a lot of comments and a lot of groups formed and uh, people's opinions. And, um, you know, all, all I know is, is that Hartford baseball, you know, was, wasn't a very stable program. Uh, and now it's, it's a very stable program. People care about it. Steve Malinowski, um, you know, going to take that program over, you know, he, he's the Yukon back, uh, you know, background and been with me for, for all 10 years at Hartford. Uh, so division one, division three, whatever level they're at, um, he's going to do a great job. Um, and, uh, and I hope that people will still love and care for that program the way, the way that they did six months ago. Yeah. And just, just to go off of that, like I'm a West Hartford resident, been there for three years and I know about the, the neighborhood and that news came right after John Gallagher and the basketball team who kind of similar to the baseball program kind of found some consistency, found some stability. They got to their first NCAA tournament in program history. You know, they lost the eventual national champion Baylor and it was a, it was a pretty good game for the first half a little bit. They, they stayed in it. And then this news happens and you know, I'm, I'm, you know, seeing all this on social media and the, the neighborhood is, up in arms, but you know, just Justin, just tell me about that neighborhood and how special it is and how dedicated that is. We talk about college towns and in big name cities like the Penn State and State College and you know, Tuscaloosa, Alabama, but West Hartford's got its own. Just tell me about you know that community with the neighborhood there. I think you know, whether you call it the neighborhood, you know, a community, actually, the definition of a community is a group of a group of people uh you know with similar thoughts feelings needs wants um but they need each other and they support each other uh, a community can't you can't have a neighborhood you can't have a community without needing each other you know there's a everybody's been to a, a neighborhood where you know the cookie cutter neighborhoods where no one ever talks to each other. No one ever, they go to work, they come in the garage, you know, and, and, and that's it. It's not a true neighborhood, a neighborhood. And, and what we've developed, uh, what we had developed at Hartford was a group of people that cared, you know, it goes back to what I said about the baseball program. They care, you know, they're invested again, not just with their money, they're invested in their time. Um, and, uh, you know, it hurts when, when something happens to people in your neighborhood. And so, um, you know, I, I think they've just stood up and, and want to make sure that they're supporting everyone. And, you know, I feel and still feel terrible for John, you know, they win a championship and, and he, didn't, he didn't have any time to enjoy it. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's, uh, we won our first championship in 2018. And, you know, I can remember, you know, for months still just, riding that wave of, of, you know, this was a great accomplishment. And, um, you know, so I felt terrible for him and for his student athletes that, you know, this, this happened so quickly after their championship and they never really got a true opportunity to, to enjoy that, that wave. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I have said, I will always be supportive of the neighborhood <laughs> and, uh, and I, I love my opportunities at Hartford. I love a lot of the people that I got a chance to work with at Hartford. 
all the student athletes that I got a chance to know and work with at Hartford um, and so many people in that community, in that neighborhood that, you know, care about the programs there, whether it be, you know, the Yard Goats or the Miracle League or, you know, all the different connections that we've made, uh, not just my program, many of the others. So um, it's a strong bond, you know, and, and I think they, they haven't finished talking. <laughs> It's we've been doing stories on baseballjournal.com about, you know, it seems like the stories that we're doing right now are are the people who are landing on their feet. Obviously, you got this uh, position at Keene State, which is exciting. And Nick Domkowski signed a professional contract and John Thrasher is going to an SEC school. Jonah Walker recommitted somewhere. But I wonder if like the players maybe a tier below are the ones that kind of get lost in this shuffle because. Um, you know, obviously they, they, I guess they could stick around and play at Hartford, but maybe they have, you know, they don't want to be with a program that's making that transition. Are there guys that you, that you see kind of getting lost in this? No, again, like I said, you know, Steve Malinowski, uh, is taking over, uh, he's bringing in some good, very good assistant coaches. Um, and, you know, I think the guys that are staying there, um, a lot of them are older guys, you know, that, that they're, they're going to compete for championships this year. Uh, Steve is working really hard to try to make sure he can surround the returners with, with quality transfers and incoming guys. Um, so look, they, the roster changed. Um, some kids made decisions that, that they felt were in the best interest of their families. And that's fine. We both Steve and I have been extremely supportive of, of all those families to do what they thought was best for themselves. I wasn't going to put anybody in a position and neither was Steve to feel like they had to come back to Hartford. They owed it to Hartford or, um, you know, uh, we understood it was a, it was a tough spot for everybody. So, um, but with that said, Steve has been working hard to surround those guys that are coming back with, with quality players and and get a chance to compete for another championship in the America East as, as long as they can. Um, so no one really knows how this transition is going to play out. No one knows when, how. <laughs> um, so in the meantime, uh, all you can do is continue to work and continue to compete and do what's best for the program and, and the university. And I know that that's what Steve's going to do. Well, I appreciate you being uh, so honest and open about you know what happened at Hartford, but Let's move on to a happier topic. What uh, what excites you most about your uh, the future at Keene State? And, you know, you're getting back to a familiar area of the country. What are you excited most about? Um, rebuilding again. <laughs> you know, I, I uh, again, I, I said I, I think I've I've done this a few times. Uh, I know that the program had been very successful for for a period of time and Coach Hal did a tremendous job. He's another really good human being. Like everybody I've talked to loves Coach Hal. Um, and, uh, you know, so we want to just try to build off of what what he did in his time at Keene State. Um, but but the wins haven't been there in the past few years. So, you know, we're going to do what we've done at, at Franklin Pierce as a player, at UConn as a coach, as, at Hartford as a coach. Uh, just try to build upon the strengths, uh, add more strengths. Uh, but for me, you know, yeah, it's kind of coming full circle. You know, I, I get to go back home and, um, you know, when, when the Hartford stuff happened and this job opened up at the same time, I kind of looked at it like, 
this isn't real. Like, <laughs> again, you need, you, you need luck, you know, you need luck. And I, I have been extremely lucky in my life. And, you know, my wife and I have always talked about possibly trying to get closer to home. Uh, all of our family, my wife and I grew up literally a mile and a half from each other um, in Swansea, New Hampshire. Uh, so, you know, when, when, when the Hartford stuff started and the Keene spot opened up, I was like, we, we need to at least take a hard look at this. And, um, you know, so I know there's a, there's a lot of family members that are excited uh, and pumped up uh, cousins and aunts and uncles and grandparents. Um, but we're, we're very excited too. Um, you know, and, and I'm, I like starting fresh, starting new. Uh, so that's, that'll be a good, a good project to, to get going. And I'm really excited to see all the players and meet the players, uh, work with the student athletes this fall and see what we have and start working on bringing in, bringing in guys for the coming year and in the following years. Um, but it's a great conference. It's a great school. Um, and it's a great area. You know, if any, if you come to Keene, you're going to like it. Uh, it's a, it's just a great, one of those traditional new England towns with the, you know, roundabouts and main street and, uh, head of the square. It's, it's, uh, it's really a great town and they love their baseball. Uh, there've been a lot of really good baseball players through the high schools, through the Legion programs, the swamp bats, uh, everybody, everybody in that area loves baseball. So I'm excited to, to get them even more excited about Keene state baseball. I'm sure you will. Yeah. Now you hear from coaches a lot uh, who say the biggest, you know, difference D1, D2 is just kind of the calendar. The recruiting calendar is different. Uh, you have fewer hours that you're able to get uh, a hold of the guys uh, in the off season and, you know, during the week. Um, and then I would think even, the, you know, the quality of recruits, like you're not going to be at the area code games looking for guys. What are, uh, what are the biggest differences that you, you foresee um, in making the transition from D1 to D2? probably going to have to pull my own reins back a, a little bit, you know, just, I was talking with someone yesterday about the fall and, you know, the difference from what I'm accustomed to working with uh, players at the division one level. And, and even at division two level, what I did as a student athlete, um, the time, you know, what we ask of the student athletes is different. Um, and so, you know, I'm, I'm going to now have to figure out, all right, well, all of these principles and, things that we've tried to develop over the course of a long fall, how do I condense that? Uh, and so I think that's going to be a challenge for me to, to figure out what the best way. And I, I probably won't get it right the first time, but um, we'll, we'll get there. Uh, so just the difference in the amount of time I can spend with the student athletes on the field is going to be big, uh, but recruiting, I mean, look, I, I'm still, I'm still going to be doing what I've always tried to do. And that's find the kids that, have really good athletic ability um, and they're multi-sport kids more times than not uh, and kids that maybe other people aren't really paying attention to. You know, we've, we've done well in New Hampshire, Western Mass, you know, parts of Connecticut, Connecticut's an over-recruited state. You can't go anywhere without a million coaches being there. So it's hard to recruit out of Connecticut. In certain parts of Massachusetts, it's hard to recruit out of, but there's pockets in the Northeast where kids can still remain pretty hidden and uh, we'll be, we'll be working those areas hard. It's funny. We hear from uh, parents all the time who, you know, their kid's not going to be at the area code games. They're not going to be at the East coast pro showcase. Cause you know, those are a handful of guys from new England and they ask us, Hey, where should I go? Where should I take my kid to get recruited? 
it seems like you have a few secret spots. I don't know if you'd be willing to share those. Are there, are there, is there, what, if somebody asked you that, a a parent of a high school kid that said, Hey, I want to get some looks D2, D3, even, uh, what, what are some places where they could go? Well, I'm, I'm really hopeful that we're going to be able to get some tournaments and events going on in Keene because I think it's a great destination too. You know, a lot of these places that we go to for, for tournaments don't really have much to offer for the families, <laughs> for the kids on the field. Uh, maybe they're, maybe they're nice, but um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping to be able to start some things up in Keene and get kids and, and families to come there. Um, but look, I, ultimately I think coaches recruit areas where there's people that are like-minded as them, you know, I, I'm not a long Island guy. You know, I, I don't, my mind doesn't work the same way as, as them. Um, and uh, not that there's anything wrong with long Island people. <laughs> they're, they're uh, great and they're very good players, but I haven't recruited long Island because I don't think I mesh with, with them the same way I mesh with a New Hampshire kid or a Western mass kid or parts of Connecticut. Um, so I think we end up recruiting people that are, that are a little more like-minded and um but uh but yeah i I don't know if i'm going to give away any 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 of the spots it's like a fishing hole right you can't you can't give up your fishing hole if you got a good spot no absolutely that makes sense uh how do you round out so what do you do so you said you left some guys in hartford how do you round out a coaching staff uh i'm working on that right now uh i think that there's you know, the other benefit of being a, a local guy to Keene uh, is that there are some people in and around that area that I know are really good baseball people. Um, and I'm hopeful that we'll be able to get them to to help us out. And those conversations have started. Uh, and then I think by the end of this week, uh, I'll be able to, to announce, you know, bringing in a couple of uh, younger guys uh, to help around that staff out. So that's still a work in progress. But um, you know, we, I've had some good conversations. There's definitely people interested in coming and being a part of it. Uh, so that's all been positive. Um, and hopefully we'll, we'll have that rounded out shortly. Well, you've got a new chapter going on at Keene state. Uh, you also have a new chapter on the, uh, social media landscape. You joined Twitter <laughs> earlier in this month. So I want to know who made you join Twitter and why it's a tough no, decision you know sometimes. What? Yeah, no, I, so, so I've, I haven't been on any social media platforms myself, but I have seen the value. Um, and so I ran for the, I did a lot of the work on the social media pages at Hartford, uh, Instagram and Twitter. And, um, you know, I think what I've noticed, uh, many of the, the D2, D3 programs, um, they do a really good job of self-promoting and look, I, I think, I think that I have something to promote. Um, and so, so I figured, you know, this is the time, this is the time for me to have my coming out party on Twitter and, um, and see what happens. And, and it's been received pretty well. Uh, I'm not sure I'm going to be a guy that's tweeting every day. Um, but, uh, but it, yeah, it, it was a, a leap of faith and, and hopefully uh, something that will attract more attention to, to our program. It's not really going to be about me. It's hopefully getting more people interested in Keene state. Well, Hey, it's a very brave leap of faith, especially going on that website. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> I know somebody responded back to me. Welcome to the jungle coach or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> so, it is a jungle out there. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, Coach, thank you so much for taking the time. It's been great catching up, and um, good luck as you're rounding out your staff and getting things going at Keene State. We'll be looking forward to following it. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, appreciate the time, and, yeah, hopefully we uh, we can get on again in a couple of years when we're celebrating our first championship. So We'll plan on it. All right. Thank you. We're back with the New England Baseball Journal podcast. I want to thank Keene State head coach Justin Blood again for joining the podcast. I really appreciate how open and honest he was about the decision to leave Hartford and go to Keene State after Hartford decided to make the transition to Division Three. Before we close out the pod, a few programming notes. Rate, review, subscribe to the New England Baseball Journal podcast on your preferred platform. Our next guest on the pod will be Vanderbilt slugger Dom Keegan, a native of Methuen, Massachusetts, who recently turned down a six-figure offer from the New York Yankees. He was selected in the 19th round of the MLB draft, but chose instead to return to college to try to win a national championship. To keep up with all things New England baseball, visit BaseballJournal.com. We update the site daily with new stories and videos. Click the subscribe tab to get the print edition mailed to your home or office. Follow us on Twitter at NE underscore baseball. We also want to hear from you. So if you have recommendations for guests or questions that you'd like us to ask, send a DM on Twitter or email dguttonplan at baseballjournal.com. Thanks again for listening. The New England Baseball Journal podcast is a Siemens Media podcast.